Well, I just have to let you know that we know very clearly at Sand Springs Church what God has called us to and commanded us to do, and that we are a church that, that wants to build up the family and to protect the family. And so as he's made it very clear to us that that's, that's our role and that we will not only make a difference in our world here and now, but we will make a difference for generations to come. Because of our role in protecting the family. Amen? So we started this, this series, uh, Where You Sitting? Uh, and then I just want to kind of give a reminder uh, to the three chairs this morning as, as uh, maybe you're here and you haven't heard any of this yet. So I'll try and, uh, and just kind of uh, remind those who have and, and just kind of briefly touch on those who haven't. And so we have the three chairs that everybody... Everybody in this room and everybody drawing breath right now is, has sat in one of these three chairs. And so we have the first chair, the chair of the committed, and, and so we will kind of abbreviate things throughout the message and call this a first chair Christian. And, and uh, this, this Christian, the relationship with the Lord is the most, the most powerful part of their life. Everything else revolves around their relationship with the Lord. They're fully committed to Christ. Their, their passion for the Lord is first and foremost in their life. And so when it comes to, to living, it's God first, me second. That makes sense? That's the chair of the fully committed. Chair number two. This is the chair of the one that says me first, God second. And the great majority of Christians actually live in this chair. And this chair is one who wants to have the blessings of God and also the things of this world. And, and, and that is a compromised position. In fact, uh, God will give you the blessings of this world, uh, uh, and it's amazing how he does it, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And so when, when the things of this world become your God, then you're in a second chair position, and you will not have either one, the blessings of God or the things of this world. You'll find that there's a struggle in this chair. And there's a struggle in this chair because God does not want you to be satisfied with the things of this world because he loves you and has greater things for you. And so you continue to, to, this person can continue as a Christian to heap things of this world into their life thinking that it will fulfill their life only to find out that it cannot and it will not. Why? Because God loves them too much to let that fulfill them. Because he wants them to, to seek him and find where true joy and true fulfillment and pleasure is. This is a, First chair Christian, this is a second chair Christian, and this is not a Christian at all. This person has heard about God. This person knows God intimately. This person knows God. This person just knows about God. And so this person is one who has, uh, has maybe heard about the Lord, heard about salvation, but has never given their life to the Lord. And so this person is not even saved. They don't know the Lord at all. And so uh, they are in conflict with God. They, in fact, have aligned themselves with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they're in direct contradiction to God. And so this is a conflicted person. But I have said this every Sunday. Uh, I think the most conflicted individual internally, the most miserable individual is actually in this chair. They got just enough Jesus to make them miserable. The Holy Spirit lives within them and their unholy living and the Holy Spirit lives within them brings conflict in their life and they're a miserable individual. Now let me, let me just lay this out real quick. This person experiences the power of God. This person has seen the power of God. 
This person has only heard of the power of God. Maybe you have seen the power of God, but you're not experiencing it in your own life. I can tell you, you can today. Amen? It's all right. So today we're shifting gears. We're changing. And today is now, uh, we're going to talk about first chair families. First chair families. Now, because of our messages, you know, we, we, we can only preach so long. And by the way, we know this, that the mind could only absorb what the backside can endure. So <laughs> we, can only, we can only share so much anyway. But uh, today we won't be going into great depths on first chair family, but we will soon. On Wednesdays, we do, uh, we, starting in September, we'll have our faith family feast. And so 6 p.m. on Wednesdays, we all come in here together and, and have a family style meal together. And then we will, this September, be doing a series on the family. And so we'll get into a little more depth on Wednesday nights. But this Sunday morning, I just want to kind of touch on first chair families. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and remove these for now. Now that you are familiar with first chair, second chair, and third chair people, now we're going to talk about mother, father, children. Turn with me in your Bibles. Well, if you'll start looking in, in Ephesians, start turning towards Ephesians, I'm going to read real quick this verse that we've been looking at every Sunday, and that is Joshua 24. I want you to go ahead and start looking towards Ephesians, but I'm going to read Joshua 24:15, and this is what Joshua tells the people of Israel. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Joshua says, I've made my decision. Uh, the choice is simple for me. Uh, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? So we're going to talk about first chair families today. And uh, that first chair family begins with a father who knows his roles and responsibilities. In Ephesians chapter 5, God is, is laying out the structure of the family. And in verse 25, it says, Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And even dropping down into verse 23, it says, nevertheless, let each one of you in so particular love his own wife as himself. And we'll come back to that verse in a second. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, the, the, the father in this, this godly structure of family is commanded to do one thing. He is commanded to love his wife. Now, if a father loves his wife the way Christ loves the church, is there not anything that would be lacking in that family relationship? Because he will absolutely become protector, provider. The, 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 I mean, the, everything that is needed in that family atmosphere will come out of that love relationship. But I want to point out to you this morning because <clears throat> some people struggle over this passage of Scripture and they struggle because you back, if you back up to verse 22, they struggle with this part. By the way, it's usually never men that struggle with this passage. <laughs> uh, wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, I, let me just clarify something real quick. You're not submitting to him as if he is the Lord. And uh, I've got some more 
feminine amens on that than I expected. <laughs> but, but as an act of worship to the Lord, we recognize that God's order is perfect. His order is perfect. And I want to I read this. I want to continue to read this. And I want you to catch this. Verse 23. Now, ladies, don't chunk anything at me. We have removed all songbooks out of the church because I can dodge a piece of paper. But a songbook is tough. For the husband is head of the wife. Now, again, society would, would call me all kinds of names and think that we were just silly and stupid and narrow-minded. But I'm going to tell you, this does not say that husband should try to be head of the household. It does not say that the the husband should work towards being the head of the household. It does not heap uh, 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 pressure or shame or guilt. This is not that kind of a statement. It is a statement of fact. I I need you to read this like you've never read this before. It is a spiritual fact that in the family order, that the husband is the head of the household. It's a spiritual fact. What am I saying? It is a spiritual truth that does not change with the activity of the husband or the wife or the children. It is the way that God formed the family. God is a God of order, and where there is order, there is peace. Where there is no order, there is no peace. And God is a God of order who puts things together perfectly, and he says, here's the simple truth of how marriage works. The husband is the leader of this household. Whether he knows it or not, whether he acts in that role or not, he is. And so here, can you just catch this one? I want you to listen to this one real, real good. The power of God flows where the human activity of man aligns with the spiritual reality of God. I'm going to say it again. It was so good, I'm going to say it again. The power of God flows... Where the human activity, the activity of man, aligns with the reality of God. And God says, dads, uh, husbands, you're the head, you're the leader of this family. You're the leader of this family. Now, if you're acting that way, uh, the power of God will flow. But you also need to understand what that leader looks like, and it is the servant leader role, just like Jesus And so if you try to come along as tyrant, then you've completely missed it. If you try to come on with a a heavy hand and a a harsh tone, you've completely missed how Jesus is the head of the church. How did Jesus leave the church, lead the church? He served the church. And just as Jesus serves the church and died for the church, husbands, you'll notice in these passages of Scripture as that Just as Jesus is more concerned about what he can do for his church, the husband should be more concerned about what he can do for his family than what they can do for him. Does any wife have any problem with a husband like that? That loves her so much that wants to serve her and make sure that her well-being is higher than his. I mean, it's just that this is the powerful positions that God has made for the family, and when our physical activity aligns with this heavenly reality, man, the power of God is free to move, and our families are absolutely transformed. So husbands, you are head of the household. I'm not saying that as a power grab. It's a spiritual reality. So instead of having chairs turned that way, we're going to turn them this way today. 
I always say that, there, that the, this great spiritual truth of in line and in order is so powerful. See, the order and, and alignment, the alignment is this. Authority is God's. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all in unity. We call it the Trinity. And, and God is the ultimate authority. There are other authorities in our life that if they line up under the authority of God, life works out easier. It just does. When our government authorities line up under the authority of God, my life as a, a child of God is easier. And we're more blessed. When they don't, I still am. I don't know if y'all caught that. When they don't, I still line up under the authority of God. For I must obey God rather than man. Now, when the authorities of this life line up under the authority of God, man, his blessings flow straight down. And so that's what I mean by being in line. And in order is father, mother, children. Now, what we learned the first week is that if you have a first generation, first chair Christian Oftentimes in the scriptures, you'll see a second generation be a second chair Christian. Because this person has experienced God personally, and this is getting secondhand information. This person experiences the power of God. This person has seen the power of God. And, and so oftentimes what happens is a, is a first chair Christian will have second chair children. But it don't have to be that way. Don't have to be. And here's the danger, because a Third chair is not even a Christian at all. So, in the book of Joshua that we just read earlier, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and they did. And the elders said, we'll serve the Lord too, and they did. But the children of the elders were compromised. And the grandchildren of the elders were not even in a relationship with God whatsoever. So, God has an order, and it is father, mother, children. But this, when I turn these chairs this way, and this order, just recognize I am not saying First chair Christian, second chair Christian, third chair Christian. You following me? I'm just trying to use illustration here to help us grasp it. God has an order of things. And husbands, you are to be leading the family and to honor the family. And the goal is first and foremost that the family will receive the full measure of what God intends for them to be. Amen? Not that the family serves the father except for the heavenly father but that the family receives the full blessings that God has intended for the family to receive. And so it goes into how Jesus loves the church and what he does for the church. And, and you'll notice there again in Ephesians 5 and verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, number one, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, number two, with the washing of the water by the word, and they might present her to himself, number three, a glorious church. So what you'll see there in that passage of Scripture, that, that Christ is more concerned about what he can do for the body than he is for what the body does for him. That's clear in that passage of Scripture. Husbands, we need to be more concerned about what we can do for our family. They experience the full power of God and the presence of God in that family more so than how they serve him. I think we've got enough there. Y'all quit amen in me, so we'll move on to the next one. So what about the wives? What about the wives? Now, when we, you'll want to hold your finger there in Ephesians chapter 5. But uh, I do want to point out the original intent. And if you'll look in Genesis chapter 2, and of course, we, we look at a lot of scripture at Sand Springs, and so it'll be on the screen, but we're going to fly through. When, in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam 
and all the, the creatures that he created, he said that there, and it says it three times in Genesis chapter 2, that there was not found a helper comparable to him. There was not found a helper. So God created Eve, and look at what he says in chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, ladies, if you think that that word helper is a derogatory term, I want to encourage you to read your Bible a little more. And hang out in Psalms for a while and see how many times David says, the Lord is my helper. So when you, when you catch those phrases, now if, if, if this person is this person's helper, this is a second chair person, they're, they're behind this one. This one's obviously the, the, the more valuable, the more important person, right? Well, if the Lord is my helper, is he less valuable than me? Has he got any less authority? Has he, is he more important than me? When the scripture says the Lord is my helper, that's a powerful statement. When God says man's going to need a helper. He's going to need a helper. And the relationship between Christ and the church is very much, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter, it, it, it is this chapter 13. It is very similar to the family. Hebrews chapter 13. Oh, this is so good. Get so excited, I can't even finish what I'm trying to say. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And here's the family, and God puts it in order, and God says, all right, husband, you're going to lead this family. But I've got a helper coming for you. Now, you're, you're a mess without her, and you know it. <laughs> you know, but, but there's an order and there's a leader to the household, but don't think that just because I call her a helper, that means she's of less importance. The Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What can man do to me? Now turn with me to John chapter six, uh, 14. And Jesus says this uh, as he is about to uh, uh, go to the father. And ascend into glory. He says in chapter 14 verse 16. And I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. And guess who he's talking about there? The Holy Spirit. And so we know that word. We know that word. We've studied on the Holy Spirit. And, and we know this, this word very clearly. And we know that that word means the one who comes alongside. Amen. So though this might be the order, I'm not completely satisfied with how that looks. Are y'all with me? Because the helper is one who comes alongside. Comes alongside. Now, the protection that our children have when they are behind a godly father and a godly mother, the protection that my children have, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? But how much more wide the protection when that mother comes alongside that father and says, I will serve the Lord as a first chair Christian with my whole heart. And I will come alongside my husband who is a first chair Christian who is serving the God with his whole heart. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have some first chair Christians as children. Amen. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. There is some spiritual principles here that, that if we can grasp this, Satan will run from your family. He will run from your family. He has no power 
over your family. Power from God flows when our earthly activity lines up with God's heavenly reality. I want you to again look back. Ah, let's, let's look at this first. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Now, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. The nation of Israel is about to enter into the promised land. He's getting them ready for Joshua to take the land. And so God is speaking through Moses again to remind the children of Israel. And look at what he says in verse 9. Only take heed to yourselves and diligently keep yourself. First chair Christian. Amen. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Amen? Remember those three generations? This first chair Christian, by his experiences with Christ, will have a child who has seen the power of God. Now it is up to that child whether they will experience the power of God. But they've seen it. They've seen it in mom and dad. Now, this is interesting. Let's go back to three generations. Joshua and the elders, the elders' children, and those elders' grandchildren. First chair, they were experiencing the power of God. They just knew of the power of God. They forgot the power of God and had no relationship with the Lord. David, Solomon, Rehoboam, we see this happens, but, but here's the interesting thing. Experiences the power of God, has seen the power of God, only heard of it, and never seen it actually themselves. They've just heard stories. But here's what God says. I want you to teach your children and your grandchildren what you have personally experienced. Your faith needs to be handed off. But here's what I've, I rarely, I'm telling you the truth, I rarely see this. When you have a first chair sold out believer in Jesus Christ, you rarely see their children be in this chair. I hope you catch it. I hope you hear what I'm saying. It is very rare that you will find this person's kids in this chair. Because they've seen the power of God. And they've seen the passion of a parent who is sold out to the Lord. And that passion has proved to them this God is real. And I want to give my life to him. Rarely do you see this, this Christian have children in this chair. But often, this Christian will have children in this chair. I want you to catch it. Rarely will a, a child of God who is sold out to the Lord have children who are unbelievers. It's rare. It's statistically very rare. But it is very, very common to have a compromised Christian whose children do not walk with the Lord. Very, very common. And so, as we think about the generations, but how the, the family is to be set aside, husband, you're leading this thing. Wives, you are to come alongside him and say, we want to, we want to fully experience what God has for our family. We want to see the power of God over our family. We want to see the kingdom of God increase by our family. When this is a team like this right here, whoo, I'm telling you, power, power in that team. And I, and, and, and I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 because I've missed 
uh, and intentionally, I missed a group of people in this scenario. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Amen? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. If you have children who do not respect the authority of their parents, they won't respect any authority. It's the first line of authority. And, and when we have children who don't get that right, it sabotages their life for the rest of their lives. You got a mess on your hands. If they can't respect the authority of mom and dad, who's their first line of authority, then everything up is also all out of whack. And so, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Remember, the husband honors the wife by affectionately serving her in the servant leader position, just like Jesus did. He honors her in that position and never dishonors her to his children. Y'all hear me, dads? He better never dishonor her to his children. Why? Because he absolutely sabotaged what chapter 6, verse 1 just said. Because if dad won't honor her, how does he expect his son to honor her? It just completely throws it off. My boys are in prayer right now. Both of them are serving on the platform this morning. Blesses the daddy's heart. I want to tell y'all something early on. My boys learned this early on. They got sassy with their mama. I said, boy. I wanted to say, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. But I didn't say. I said, nobody talks to my wife that way. Nobody talks to my wife that way. It gets serious around my household. It gets serious anywhere. If somebody wants to speak to my wife with disrespect, how am I supposed to expect them to honor her if I don't? Here's another interesting thing. I remember when my boys were this big, and one was mistreating the other one, and I yanked him up by the collar and said, boy, Nobody talks to my son that way. He's like, but I'm your son. That's right, and he is too. You see, there's this respect that has been made. Now, I understand that might to you sound a little heavy-handed when I say we're not going to be a heavy-handed, harsh, dominating tyrant. But sometimes you've got to get some respect up in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, when we do the horse demonstrations and uh, we do horse things when people are, uh, we, we're kind of, all right, what kind of horse am I going to work with uh, when I'm going to try and be riding this horse in 30 and 45 minutes? What kind of horse you want to work with? I, I said, I don't mind if they're mean as they can be. I don't mind if they're mean, if they bite, rare, paw, kick, not a problem. If they're afraid, I got a real problem. You hear me, dads? If they're afraid, Building trust takes forever. But I can get respect real quick. Dad, you don't come in with a domineering attitude and think that I'm going to get some respect in here and disrespect this seat and expect this seat to respect it. It's not going to work that way. So anyway, uh, we, we need to understand how this is supposed to work. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. In the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, 
there's one that has a promise of blessing with it. Honor your father and your mother. Out of the Ten Commandments, there's one commandment that has the promise of blessing with it. And young people, if you don't abide by that, again, you're sabotaging the rest of your life. But I'm going to tell you something. If you do, God will bless you. He promises. And, and, and then it goes on to say that it might go well with you. Let's look at it again. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And that is absolutely true in my household because if you don't do it, you won't live long at all. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but God said, I promise you, you'll be blessed. And let me, let me just tell you something too. That goes for adult children as well. And let me, let me just encourage you this. And again, I wish I could talk more on it and we will later at another date. But, but children, adult children included, know this, that you probably, probably everybody in this room has got some kind of an offense against their parents. There's something there. Oh, a psychiatrist could pull it out. He'd find it. He'd probably start there. But there's something there, most likely. You know why? Because the father of lies will lie to you about your father. The father of lies, he knows that if he can mess this up, he's got you. He's got you. And so he'll lie to you about your father and your mother, and you'll, be, you'll create an offense, and that thing will grow over years. And, and, and now you, the, the, the relationship between child and parent is strained, and, and Satan's just over there just eating it up. And what you have taken as an offense may not even be reality. I'm telling you the truth. My boys have... Has, Luke's, he's back, he just come in the room. He, he has said stuff like that, that happened in his childhood. I'm like, boy, I was there. That didn't happen like that. <laughs> but the, the father of lies will lie to you about your father and your mother. And he tries to create, he tries to mess this up. He tries to create dissension and division. And he, he does that. But if you begin to catch him at his tricks... And realize, you know what? He fools me with my feelings. And I need to get my feelings in line with God's facts. And, and even if they aren't what they should be, I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be. Because I trust God that he will fulfill his promises. By the way, I need you to understand this. When you get to God, when you stand before the great right throne and we're answering for how we live this life, you won't have time for excuses. They will not stand up in the court of God. You won't care. You, you won't be able to. But, but my parents didn't do, they, they didn't. they didn't do me right. God said, but you knew right. So be careful there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. All right, let's land the plane. Deuteronomy again. We're going back to Deuteronomy real quick. Chapter 6 and verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen? Love him. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Amen? You shall... Talk of them when you sit 
in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be, they shall be as frontless between your eyes. In other words, man, it, it, I'm, I'm talking about it, I'm thinking about it. I got scripture everywhere. It's a part of our life. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And the Jews literally do this. By the way, we do too. We have, we have a, what's that thing? Mezuzah on our door and and, and, and it's, this is the Shema, actually, verse five is, is the, uh, verse four is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and that's what's in the, the, the little box on the Jewish people's heads. And, and they wear the phylacteries around their arm and they have the mezuzah on their doorpost. They take this quite literally. But I want to tell you something. I would rather it be in my heart. That's really the command. Put it in your heart and teach it to your children and get it in their heart. Because you want them to be a first chair Christian too. Because you got grandchildren that are coming along. And if your children are only a second chair Christian, the likelihood of your grandchildren dying and going to hell is really good. Or really bad. And so, if you've seen your parents experience the reality of God in their life in a powerful way, don't just say, Man, I, I, believe, I believe in Jesus because I've, I've, I've seen him do and things for others. I've seen, I believe in him. And yet, you know, this is a modern time. and I don't know if we could live totally like that by the book. And so I'm going to try and hang on with both. Well, you've got a real good chance of losing your children. I'm going to end it with this. This came from you. Brother Richard, there is something very, very, very powerful with three generations of first chair Christians. Three generations of first chair Christians. Grandparents, parents, and children who Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. It's like Satan can't, he, he can't get between them. <laughs> he, he, he don't know what to do with a family like that. Three generations of first chair Christians that will absolutely change the world. Amen? Absolutely change the world. That's what I want for me and mine. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Father God, thank you for this spiritual reality. I pray that it would be greater than just a concept I pray that it would be greater than just a belief. I pray that it would be absolute conviction. Holy Ghost conviction in our lives. Lord, that we would absolutely live out this faith and that you would be first place in our lives. That we would give our lives, our hearts fully to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we know that you will do awesome things. In our lives, if we abide by the book, teach these things to our children and our children's children, we will see the power of God flow in our families. Lord, I pray that we will be first chair families. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.